In 2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 6D ATR2 and ATR2 Youth are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 6dhelmets.com for more info. Hey guys, welcome to the Kickstart Podcast presented by 6D Helmets. I'm Don Maeda here alongside Chase Curtis, and we have Michael Antonovich on the phone remotely from Illinois. So, Anton, your uh, weekend, you had the hometown uh, Supercross going on, right? Yeah, home race, like 30 minutes door to door. So I told, uh, somebody asked me if I was going, and I said, no, you know what? I'm not going to go because it's Anton's home race, and I don't want to see him signing autographs and uh, and uh, greeting fans. That's true, that's true. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good because I'm like uh, i still under the radar. Nobody knows who I am. Like, look at the comments on YouTube. Everybody just thinks that you have two different voices. So, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, nobody, uh, nobody realizes that 10 years into this that I, I go to the races. Yeah. So it's so- good. Um, a good thing for me was, too, like, it's nice not to have that overwhelming thing like it's always cool to talk to fans and stuff like that but like you know first second race of the series and it's chaotic it's kind of hard to set and bench race when you're trying to go watch qualifying or edit photos and go through the whole process yeah so how was it was it uh i I saw i saw some instagram stuff uh looked like it was snowing outside yeah um anybody that lives in the midwest knows like the weather here is pretty chaotic so over like thursday friday saturday we got a total of five inches of rain um and then on saturday night like friday saturday was nice and then friday saturday morning woke up weather started dropping like temperatures started dropping a bit and then by about two o'clock like snow and sleet which i'm gonna think had something to do with the turnout because it looked like fell did sell like a decent amount of tickets for that race but then quite a few people didn't show up Mm. Uh, just no point in going out and wrecking your car when you can watch it on TV. So the stadium was nowhere near capacity, which sucks when you look up and you see a bunch of empty seats, but it is what it is. Yeah. But the pits are inside at that event, right? Yeah. You really, I mean, once you get there and you walk into the pits, you never have to go outside again until it's time to leave. There's Mm. a tunnel that connects the convention center, uh, where the pits are to the stadium and you just pretty much stay in that. You never go outside. So I got there at 9 in the morning, and I left at like 11.30 at night and never once went outside. So are there? Uh, is it large enough to pull the rigs inside, or is it people pitting in tunnels? Oh, no, it's huge. It is, it's huge. Like they drop the trailers off. Like the trucks can drive in, mm-hmm. drop their setup off, and then pull right back out. Uh, a couple weeks ago, the same convention center held – I, I really want to say like probably over a hundred tractor trailers of the same size, uh, for a, a stock car race. So mm, oh, they have wow. the capacity to do everything there. Okay. That's good. Huh. Yeah, man. I got to give you props on, uh, on the, how was your weekend? It looked like you got every 450 guy that I would have cared to hear from. Uh, were the 250 guys all bounced by the time you got to the pits? Yeah. Quite a few guys bounced. Um, and it's, it's tricky because you want to go to everything. And, like, the press conference is always nice, but I think I'm kind of done with the press conference so I can start getting stuff out there in the mm-hmm. pit area. And if guys get on the podium, they're typically in a good enough mood that they'll 
sit back and recap the night <laughs> with you, you in the, yeah. in the <laughs> team rig. Yeah. Well, hey, man, the uh, the action on the track looked pretty amazing. Dirt looked good and uh, great results. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good race. Um, chaotic. I mean, that really goes to show how tight this field is because, what was it, second place through like 13th in the 450 class in qualifying. We're on the same second mm-hmm. of a lap time, and that's huge. So, like guys like Vince Free said, if you don't get a start, you're done. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to move forward now. Yeah. <laughs> I was pumped to see Freezy out front in the heat race. Again, dude. Guy with the starts. Mm-hmm. But first bad one, and he's he was bummed. Like, he was really bummed not to have a good one in that main event. And that was a hard start to get, too, because, like, you look at Derek Drake and that 251, you set up for that wide sweeper and one mistake, and then you could take the whole pack down with you. Yeah. And uh-huh. even Ferrandis, like, who is the poor Cali rider? Who is the poor Cali rider that got a wheel in his face? Oh. From uh, when Drake, Drake did a donut and looped out. Yeah. Oh, man, that was gnarly. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then Falk getting punted off the track with no hands. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Looking. <laughs> yeah, that first yeah. turn was, why was it so hairy? Was it because it was so fast and it was, uh, Kind of a sweeper? Just so fast, and then it was actually pretty tight. You know, like, it wasn't, like, a perfect, like, half circle. It was, it had, like, a little bit of a kink to it, and it straightened out. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that guys just carried so much speed into it, and then, you know, a lot of bumping and banging, and guys just went right off. But Mm -hmm. it was good. Like, I mean, it's probably as safe of a start as you can get for how fast it was, because it went the full length of the stadium. Yeah. Okay, so the big uh, the big news of the weekend was Ken Roxon's return to the top of the podium after uh, I think it's three years, right? Yeah. Almost three years to the day, yeah. Yeah, well, there was a couple races last year that he led, and I was like, "Oh, this is it, this uh-huh. is it," and uh, you know, just didn't hold on. But this one looked pretty uh, pretty convincing. He stomped him, huh? Mm-hmm. Uh, if you watch that GoPro, like I- I've been thinking this since I watched the race the first time. Where he passed Zach and the way he passed Zach was the defining point of that whole race. Yeah. Because he killed Zach's momentum and he couldn't Zach couldn't do that double. And then instead of Zach then trying to think, how am I gonna chase down Ken? He went on the defense and then blocked Cincerillo and Barsha and all those guys. Yeah. So him kind of roadblocking everybody, fighting for his own position, gave Ken the chance to just start clicking off laps. And nobody even got near Ken. So then he basically just got to put in a practice moto with no pressure from anyone. Like within right. a few seconds, he was gone. He was gone, yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, after A1, Kenny said that his suspension was too stiff. He went with the wrong setup. Uh, obviously, you talked to him. He uh, he got his thing sorted out pretty well, huh? Mm-hmm. We did that interview on Friday afternoon, and it was good to hear from Ken and just kind of discuss that. You know, it's a safety thing. Like, he does not want to get the bike to just pogo stick again and shoot him over the front of the bike. Because uh, you got to think it happened twice. It happened in his first ever ride on that Honda at Monster Cup in right. 2016. And then it happens again at Anaheim. And it's like, hey, let's let's go about it this way. And if you think back to last year, this has, like, been an ongoing issue. You know, he's mm-hmm. really been fighting the suspension setup all through the Nationals. They missed the mark quite a few times. And, and last summer, I straight up asked him, I'm like, hey, like, are they going to make you stop doing this because you've kind of lost quite a few results here trying these different setups? Like, what are they going to do? Uh, it's good for him to go through Anaheim 1 the way he did uh, just to get the results and not have any big 
issues or anything like that mm-hmm. and then bounce back so they know what they're going to do from here on out yeah and he's going to have the momentum on his side it, I th- i'm excited to see what all he does next weekend and the rest of the season so mm-hmm. yeah it was cool to see him up top so it looked like an emotional evening for a lot of people were you on the floor crying anton <laughs> no no i <laughs> come on the last... come on dude did you no, tear up no no not really like for him you just kind of knew it was coming. Like uh-huh. you knew it was inevitable. And I know that a lot of people have been like, why does this Supercross win make a difference? Because, you know, he's won nationals and stuff like that since he's been hurt. But I mean, this is a totally different thing. He's yeah. had three serious issues in Supercross over the last three years because this injury thing or this illness thing is from San Diego Supercross last year and San Diego Supercross the year before and all that. And like it is different to be a Supercross winner. You know, when mm-hmm. he proved that he could do it because there's so many more variables, I think, in a Supercross race than there are a national. And this mm-hmm. is a huge statement for him. Yeah. Was uh, he seemed like uh, he didn't seem overly emotional, like, you know, crying about getting back on top. It's like seemed like he was taking it like, yeah, got it done. Let's get more. Uh-huh. Would, mm-hmm. would you I agree think he that's needs he to be was? that way. Yeah. Yeah. Because like even we talked in the truck, I, I mean, honestly, almost. 28 29 hours after our interview on friday we're in the exact same spot and we're going through things and he's not getting caught up he's not like oh my god i did it he knows this is a good accomplishment but this is not going to be the like the end of the road this is just the start of the next chapter instead of the final chapter of the book mm-hmm. um i think if like jay said if he is able to take this momentum now and knows like i can do this and get over that mental hurdle then he should be good because I just hope once and for all we stop looking at this crash footage from I 2017 and, and get past it yeah. because he has it now. Like He's always proven that he can do it. He just has to string it together consistently, and I think he can. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, what about Barsha? Did you know he was sick before, uh, oh, yeah. before the day started? No. Um, track walk. <laughs> You know, it's a little bit busy, and the track is so big there, so you don't see everybody. Mm-hmm. And then I went by the Yamaha truck a few times during the day, and, I mean, it's not uncommon not to catch somebody when they're outside. So I didn't see him, didn't really think too much about it. And then as soon as he came off of the race, though, from the podium, I could tell that something was wrong because he just kind of, like, slumped over his bike. And I'm like, oh, did he get hurt or uh-huh. something? Mm-hmm. And I walked by, and his mechanic, Longhorn's like, hey, how's your leg? And he's like, what's the problem with my leg and they were worried that like he had maybe like drug his knee or something but he was just so depleted energy wise after that long moto Mm -hmm. uh, he was done so he skipped his autograph session and he skipped a lot of other things on saturday Mm -hmm. just to save his energy so this was basically his cooper web ride from anaheim one like go out be consistent do what you need to do and score the maximum amount of points possible yeah that's pretty amazing that he got second being that sick yeah he was charging well, speaking of Webb, though, yeah. they said on on TV that he had a chest infection this week. That it, yeah. things have gotten worse, maybe? I heard that, and then I had also, um, you know, it's it's pretty hard, too. They had the heat in the stadium at, like, 80 degrees. Oh. So, like, guys were, like, breaking out in the sweat just on track walk. Like, it was hot. Mm. And so you got to think, too, all those fumes and the dust and all that stuff stays in the building. So mm. you just kind of stay in it. So that would aggravate those symptoms. And then Zach Osborne was sick last week, so then Dean gets sick this week. So there's, uh, these guys are just kind of passing it back and forth amongst themselves. Mm. So I would think that between 
you know, Anaheim one to Anaheim two, quite a few guys won't do a lot of riding because they're just going to try to focus on recovery. No right. point in straining your lungs when they're already a little bit sick and then just getting even more and more depleted. Right. Mm. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> what, what was it like? Uh, what was the mood like at this race? I think you texted me at one point during the day and you said, it doesn't feel like round two. It feels like round 12. I mean, what? yeah, it's weird. Uh, it just, I think this kind of goes along the lines of there being so many races back to back to back. Yeah. You know, like we never really feel like there is an off season anymore. Yeah. And it's kind of like deja vu when you walk into Anaheim one, because we feel like we're just there. And so we get to this one and it's so far flung. There are a lot of guys missing because so many racers went to Germany this weekend for that supercross race or yeah. just didn't want to make the 4,000 mile round trip. Mm-hmm. So it almost felt like an energy or an injury zap field because so many guys were gone. And then the buzz of it was just kind of like, okay, yeah, we're here. It wasn't like round two, let's make this happen. This is going to be sick. Yeah. I think and pe- so, people aren't pumped about the distance to get to round yeah, two, right? No. And it sucks because like you could just kind of tell that it just kind of had a damper on the mood all day. Mm-hmm. Not that it was bad or anything like people were bummed, but it's just like, all right, round two, let's just keep going at it. There's no big mystery of what's going to go on. Because the cool thing about when, like, Phoenix Supercross was round two, it felt like a little vacation into it. You just kind of went down the road. You went right back home. Gotcha. It was easy. Yeah. This one's, like, a big undertaking for guys. Hmm. Um, what's it like in the town? I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it's like Supercross came to your hometown. Was there, like, you know... I know, I know all your buddies were probably stoked, but was it like a big buzz that Supercross was coming there? I don't think, I'm going to say this and like, I'm not going to preface it with like looking back as like a little kid, but it used to have so much more hype built around it mm. and it doesn't seem to have that anymore. Like, yeah. I don't think people show up to Supercross the same way they used to, at least in St. Louis. And I'll be the first one to admit like St. Louis is not the greatest town. I love it. Like, I'm from here. I'll be here for the rest of my life now, you know, most likely. So, like, it's great, but it does have a reputation, and it and justifiably so. Like, if you watch the news in St. Louis, it is sketchy. Did any bikes so get I, stolen? No, <laughs> bikes don't get stolen here. You just get robbed. Oh, you know? geez. You, you just get shot. Sh- yeah, like, and it sucks because that puts such a negative spin on things. And where St. Louis used to be, like, the, the central point for, like, Iowa – Minnesota, Kansas, Nebraska, Alabama, Arkansas, like all these places, everybody's afraid of it now and they don't come. Mm-hmm. So I think that that also kind of kills the vibe a little bit of people don't want to show up because they're like, they have this notion that they're just going to die in St. Louis and it's <laughs> not exactly that way. So what was the, uh, what was the opening ceremonies gimmick? Anyone, wearing, uh, everyone wearing a Jersey or no, um, the one thing I noticed was the voice of God thing. Like they have his voice on like fast forward. So it felt like opening ceremonies. So it's it's not as low and intimidating. No, it was like the chipmunks, like Alvin and the chipmunks. It was just like, like he just sped through everything. Yeah. And then it was over. Like they, when they got to the top guys, like they got to Adam, they got to Barsha, they got to Cooper and they got to Chad. Those seemed a little bit slower, but like, I don't think that that person could have set 
the record of like how to say smart top motor concepts bullfrog spas honda any faster (laughs) it's not like it was like the legal jargon in a radio commercial (laughs) yeah yeah or that old uh like domino's pizza or fedex commercial whatever it was like the world's fastest talker it was just (laughs) like that so then we had uh jason anderson in third place uh seemed like kind of a quiet ride for him uh you know he started in the top five six right and uh just ended up third was there anything Mm -hmm. uh exciting about his ride or was he just uh building blocks it sounds like him and ac were really going for it um those guys are pretty cool with each other but adam is making it a point in the 450 class that he's not going to get pushed around Uh, like you know everybody saw him and zach trade those passes (laughs) and those two they have a history with each other but like they both said and how was your weekend we're cool with racing each other aggressive like it uh is what it is and i think that jason and Adam kind of got into it a bit. So Jason forced his hand to make his way up. And then Zach kind of slipped back a little bit too after the Roxon pass. Mm-hmm. So Jason just kept moving forward. And that's good for him because, you know, at this time last year, uh, we didn't really know what to think. He had only had one good result after a terrible Anaheim one. And then he was out of the championship with an injury. Right. So this is like good, steady progress for Jason. He doesn't need to get too crazy too soon he just knows like hey i'm, I'm just gonna keep plugging away let everybody else around me make it happen and i i know what to do um yeah. if you watch that how was your weekend interview from this from this weekend you know he's gone through all of it in his career he's been the center of attention he's been the guy at the back he likes to not have a lot of attention on him mm-hmm. whatever he wants to have is what he wants to control himself with like him and tom and matt with team fried <laughs> but he I doesn't like want I liked his uh, How Was Your Weekend interview. I think it was him. He was talking about, like, his generation and then referring to mm-hmm. Adam like the kids coming up. <laughs> yeah. And I think that – and that's something that he and I have talked about, like, quite a bit in this past couple months, too. Because even in Australia, like, Jason just is enjoying this. And what comes is what comes. He's not one of those guys that's going to be devastated or inconsolable if he finishes fifth. He's like, hey, man, fifth is fifth. I'll mm-hmm. just keep plugging away. How is the Team Fried fan support? sick those guys are rad like i'm an uh if you ask tom or matt i'm like an honorary member because i'm around them so much at different races and it's funny to see like people just freak out when they see them like all of them i (laughs) tom and matt you know sign autographs and it's funny that's hilarious nice um all right so eli in fourth you know obviously he rode better than at anaheim one um Mm -hmm. but it just seems kind of like a vanilla finish yeah uh Another kind of one of those not a great start. Neil's starts historically haven't been the best, uh-huh. but then it wasn't one of those gnarly like crazy storm, rides. He just made yeah, he didn't storm. He just bad. made passes happen, and it it did what it did. So that was all good. Um, what happened to AC though? That but a- a- yeah, AC was ahead of him in, until the last lap when he fell. Right? AC yeah. yeah, AC crashed on the last lap, and it looked like it might have been a good one because it knocked his GoPro off. Right, mm-hmm. but then. Um, just even in the heat races, like Eli was in that little like bottleneck of a group, you know, when he was behind Freeze and Malcolm, you know, last week at Anaheim one. So it's not like he's just like picking dudes off uh-huh. the way that he used to. Like Malcolm's pass on him and and the whoops was unreal, you know, and yeah. you don't typically see people pass Eli like that. I don't mm-hmm. think that it's cause for panic or anything yet. Uh, it's good that he's, you know, through two rounds and that was nice progress one to two. 
Um, he just really has to make it happen so these guys ahead of him don't score too many points. Like he needs a podium soon in the worst way. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's going to be a big deficit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, you talked to AC afterwards, right? He. Uh, yeah. He just says he made a mistake. That's that's uh, the 450 class. I think that's what he said. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Uh, I think that that was the first time he's really been like bumped around a little bit and Uh he's trying really hard. Like this was the first time, you know, we only have a sample size of three races on Adam monster cup, Anaheim one and this one. Mm -hmm. And even in practice, like he was fast, but he also had some sketchy moments. Like he went down twice in the final practice session of the day, you know, kind of put his bike over the berm and almost into the net at one point went down again a few laps later, but still had the fastest lap time. Mm -hmm. So like he's realizing oh, it's not going to be just steamrolled this class super easy. Like, there will be some hiccups, and he's got to get through it. Um, my chick and my brother were, like, walking down to the pits after the race was over, and Adam was going by. And and Megan's like, you could tell that Adam was, like, kind of frustrated with himself in a little bit, like, talking to himself of not letting this happen again, but mm-hmm. not, like, letting himself get too caught up and beaten down. Mm-hmm. He looked a little raggedy, yeah. kind, of, kind of a little bit yeah. wild, a little sloppy. Like, what was mm-hmm. that? Who was he passing in the heat race when he, when he, he, when he passed it, yeah. Osborne and jumped straight in the face of that next jump with his leg off? Yeah, that was scary. Mm-hmm. And, like, he had another one where Ricky's like, oh, that was a good move. And I was like, I don't know, man. That looked terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it was easy on this track to – because the rhythms were so long, and there were quite a few options that guys could try something different. Yeah. But there really wasn't a lot of room for error. So, like, that field length rhythm section – that led into the finish line. If you overshot that last one and you landed on the flat, you landed where the ground was really firm and there was some nice like topsoil, but it was really slick underneath. So guys Mm -hmm. ran the risk of like slamming too hard and then watching the front end wash away. Mm -hmm. So like Anderson went off the track at one point, uh, Tomac overshot one Bogle like knocked his face on a rhythm section at one point in the day. Like there were some things going on. And even how Bogle crashed in that heat race, like those guys were trying to step over that first one, and he was on the gas, and it looks like the tires hit that top part of the jump and just went yerk because they mm-hmm. caught traction and shot out from underneath them. Yeah, like it, there really was not a lot of room to make mistakes, and it kind of caught some guys out a little bit. Okay, here's what I want to know, Anton: Is uh, were you around Mookie at all? How was yeah. Little bit, Stewart uh, walking around during the days? Pretty banged uh, up. He, he was sore. Like when we were in the Moto Concepts rig at the end of the night, he kept a pretty low profile through the day. Admittedly, said that first practice wasn't his greatest as he just tried to ease back in. Yeah. But then as the day built on, you know, he opened up a little bit and he told himself before the main event, like, yeah, uh, I have 20 minutes and a lap and I'm just going to give it everything I have. Mm-hmm. And considering where we, you know, we kind of heard where Malcolm was on Tuesday afternoon, not sure what was going to happen after that big crash. Uh, this was amazing because he matched his career best finish to sixth place. Yeah. yeah. So to get through the second race after last year's, you know, big broken femur, this is a big step for Malcolm. And I think if he just, he's going to take it easy this week, be steady three Anaheim two, and just kind of keep going from there. Now's the time for Malcolm to show himself like, I got to do 17 of these yeah. before I'm really able to take that next step. I mean, I was super, <clears throat> super excited and actually surprised to see how well he was riding considering how banged up he was. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess, I mean, it's, it's, it's in the past now. We could, we could say it, that there was initial reports that 
uh, he might have broken some vertebrae in his back, but oh, wow. turns mm-hmm. out it's just a bunch of ribs out of place, right? So I yeah. know that he uh, he went to cryotherapy a couple times, and then he went to the uh, the OCVAC chamber, the hypobaric chamber, to uh, kind of like accelerate the healing and loss of inflammation and stuff. So, yeah, I'm surprised. <laughs> I mean, dude, sixth place. That's awesome, right? I was thinking it's he huge. was going to like, you know, Maybe make it in the main and, and you know, struggle in pain, but uh, I think that's pretty badass. I'm mm-hmm. curious to see he, curious to see how he feels today. I'm going to give him a call a little bit later. He, uh, I don't think he wanted to tell me that, like, on camera that he had crashed, but I had known, and, yeah. like, he knew I knew. And Tony told me on camera that, you know, they had had an incident. So I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's out there. Yeah. And yeah. other people knew, too. So when I asked him, he was like, uh, okay, let's do it. <laughs> and I think that that was actually like even a mental thing for him. Like, look, don't think it's that bad. Just get past it. Just think like it's an, another bump in the road. Yeah. Um, but he, I mean, he rode really, really well. He opted out of Friday's press day, mm-hmm. uh, but Justin and, and Vince rode. So I think that's just more time off the bike to give him the chance to rest up. Mm-hmm. Okay. So some uh, kind of surprising results, I think, would be Cooper and 12th. Yeah. What was the mm-hmm. uh, what was the story there? Is he still sick? Yeah, still sick. Like the lingering issues from last week. Uh, I mean, I mean, you know, Don. Like when you have an issue with your lungs, like you and Chase, you know, have had asthma and you've had other stuff in the past. Like, mm-hmm. dude, just to keep taxing yourself like that, like get your heart rate up, big deep breaths, and it's not going to make it easier. Yeah. Uh, and then after California, so after Anaheim won. Cooper flew back to Florida and then you go from the weather in California where it's dry to the humidity of Florida to the cold damp air of Missouri, like one, two, three, you're just, and then you're in an airplane the whole time. Like that's a lot of stress on your lungs. Mm -hmm. I, with him being sick, Zach being sick, but being better now, Barsha now being sick, Dean now being sick. Like these guys have to take it easy through these first few ones, because if you get like pneumonia by round four season's done yeah. you know you're not gonna race your way out of that yeah that's no good so freezy got 14th because bad start you said yeah and he was pissed <laughs> <laughs> he was pissed so justin hill 11th uh, 11th and hill said that like if you watch his how was your weekend he says you know he felt like he could go either way he had top five speed in the day like you know he was on the board in qualifying which no surprise from hill yeah. Uh, and he's riding really well, and he's, like, figuring things out. Really his second ever race on the full bike. Mm-hmm. You know, Geneva doesn't count, neither does Paris, really. Um, so he did well, uh, but he just – he said he got tight. And when you get tight, you know, everybody knows what that means. He he admitted, like, I need to pace for those last five minutes of that race because yeah. that's a long time. Maybe he needs to wear that fanny pack during the race. Oh, yeah. Team buttery. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So Had it on track one. <laughs> All right, so nineteenth, Alex Ray. What? <laughs> I haven't had I haven't had the chance to call him yet and ask him what the hell that overjump was in the heat race. Uh, I have photos of it, and that was terrifying because he came around the first. He came around in like the top five pack, and I'm like, oh, this is good. A Ray's in the mix. It's gonna be good. And then he hits that over under jump, and anybody that's ever seen those knows how steep that takeoff and landing is. Mm-hmm. And he was a good, like, seven feet higher than Roxon was. Oh, they were side by side. And I was like, and I'm standing right at the base of that thing, at the landing. I'm like, oh, shit. And 
he landed straight on the flat and like a cartoon he just fell right to the side oh. and when he did that i was like oh god like please he, you he, don't want to see anybody get hurt he tipped over oh dude when he landed he yeah. just went right like just fell right to the left maybe he and got then the he got up berries. something like dude something so then he jumped up pretty quick and got it going again and that was good and his main event or his lcq ride was good because he had to fight his way into that one you know mm-hmm. uh and then hell with two laps to go he could have passed chad yeah yeah you know like he he's riding well he just has to get into it um and this is like home race for A-Ray. A lot of people came up from Tennessee because it's not too far. And then, yeah, it was good. It was just, I'll send you the photo of him jumping over the tunnel because I have it. And I was just like, <laughs> at this point, Alex knew he messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What happened to Reed? Because he, uh, he DNF'd, right? Yeah, per like Mathis's <laughs> show, Jason Thomas said that he had a goggle issue. But I think that Chad's just like lack of prep is catching up with him, yeah. and he'll and and he'll say that, you know, he gets hurt in Paris, you know, he's only going to do those three like three four races. He's going to do Monster Cup. Well, he wasn't even going to do Monster Cup. He was supposed to go car racing, and then he didn't. So then he goes to Paris and he breaks a couple ribs, and he goes straight from Paris to New Zealand, doesn't ride between then, mm-hmm. and then goes from Paris to Australia, doesn't ride between that really either. Those two races are okay. They're not great, but they're okay. And then he comes back home to the United States and tries to get everything sorted out. And I just think that they're a little bit behind as far as bike testing goes and and other things. So it'll take some time. Hopefully, he builds and builds and builds like Chad does. It just sucks to see him so far off the pace. And and you don't want to see a guy be like, is he going to make the main event for the LCQ? Because I think he thought that Anaheim won. That was all the stress. Make that 250th one. Go through all the motions of your one last ride tour for the first time and see what happens. And then it goes to the LCQ. He's stressed out. And then I think he probably figured, I'll come into St. Louis and it'll be better. And it was pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And there were not a lot of guys there this weekend. Like main event guys that were in the Anaheim one main event were not there. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so. Chad's really got to be on his game or else he's going to run the risk of not making a main event this year. And that's pretty outlandish to think. Yeah. Well, let's take a uh, quick break to hear from our show sponsors, but we'll be back for more. Out here on the edge, failure is no option. Here, you don't compromise. Off-road, on-road, on the track, off the grid. Sunstar sprockets and brake discs come installed in more motorcycles and all-terrain vehicles than any other in the world. Period. The engineers who design your bike trust and spec Sunstar for the same reason you should. Because here, on the edge, failure is no option. Sunstar, number one in sprockets and brake discs. Hey, it's Gohan, team manager of the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team. Works Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in motocross for over 30 years. From the awesome Pro Launch Start device to their original axle blocks. Works Connection parts are designed and produced in California, and we are proud to use them on our factory race bikes in Supercross and Motocross. Check them out at worksconnection.com. What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy's Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. 
Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Live podcast for additional discounts in the shop. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota Escondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the Action Sports Special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. Hey, welcome back to the 6D Helmets Kickstart Podcast. Um, let's uh, let's get to the 250s, man. Uh, Forkner, pretty convincing start to finish romp there. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I was with him, what, on Tuesday or Wednesday last week, and he was just saying unacceptable second third place no good so uh was he pretty uh was he pretty pumped after the race yeah and he has a lot of people there so there they grew up from he's from the other side he's from the west side of missouri Mm -hmm. and so this is like home race for him and he grew up riding a track that like from the front door at the stadium to the front gate of this track is like 10 minutes and so like this is like second like second nature for him uh, he'd almost won this race in the past, but then Zach got him in the end two years ago, the last time the St. Louis Supercross was held. Mm-hmm. So, like, he knows what to do, and this was, like, a pretty big statement thing for him because there's so much attention on him. But I'll be honest, like, two more laps to go, and Justin Cooper was going to get him. Really? Yeah, closing in. Mm-hmm. He's closing in quick. And I don't know if that's because, like, Austin just kind of coasted through the last lap, and that made that gap so much different. But, like, in his post-race interview on the podium, he said – Hey, in the middle of this thing, I was losing a lot of time, and Hunter Lawrence or Jet Lawrence was on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and it really looked like Jet was going to make him crack, or Jet was going to go for the move, and then Jet lost the pace a little bit, and that allowed Austin to go forward, and then it took Justin Cooper too long to get going. Yeah, so I think that this is a good shot of momentum for Forkner, and it showed like, hey, he can go through a whole race day without any big issue. You know, mm-hmm. he I didn't remember any massive practice crash where you're like, oh my god. <laughs> is he banged up now? Like, who's taking care of him between races? How many parts did Mitch have to make the guys change? Yeah. Things like that. Like, it was a consistent day. Was he the flashiest and the fastest, like, by an amazing amount? No. He was mm-hmm. third, you know, in qualifying. But that's all you need to do. It only really matters for one race. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting thing to note, too. He's led the most laps of everything. You know, Justin yeah. Cooper's yeah. only led six laps of the main events so far this year. So. Mm-hmm. Austin just has to keep doing it in the main event where it counts. Yeah. He told me, uh, you know, his heat race crash or practice crash, the big one at Anaheim. Mm-hmm. He, he told me that he whacked his head and he didn't know what was going on. Oh, yeah. You know, but they yeah, had to. They, uh, they, you know, they didn't say anything to Bodner because they didn't want to have the concussion protocol and all that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, when you were with them last week, did you guys talk about the Pro Circuit engines right now? No. Okay. So. Cowie, with it being like the 2020 KX250, mm-hmm. they're having an issue getting all of the parts on order. And Mitch only has a certain allowance of parts. So guys right now are racing with the 2019 engine package uh, at Pro Circuit. Right. They don't have anything yet. And it sounds like they're going to go through the whole 29- or 2020 Supercross season with the 2019 spec. 
and then hopefully get everything set up and tested because they still have to do like reliability and uh, performance testing. And that's what Tedesco is working on right now. They really only have a handful of 2020 engines. So they'll go through Supercross and then come outdoors beyond the 20 engine. So it shows, I mean, the, the bike is good. Adam almost won the championship on it last year. Austin almost won the championship on it last year. So they know it works. Mm-hmm. So that that's just in, one interesting thing to note is 2019 engine in 2020. Wow. God, I can't believe we didn't catch out the first one because of the engines completely different with a different valve train mm-hmm. so yeah there are a couple little things and and uh we discussed that a little bit and i talked to mitch and, and he was honest he's like i need x amount of parts to do this and he mm-hmm. goes i don't have those parts so i can't put my guys on something if we don't know what it's going to do he's yeah. like so when cowie gets it to me then we will put everybody on it mm-hmm. oh hmm. so uh justin cooper second and catching forkner uh he kind of had a shitty start yeah. 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 <laughs> In the highlights, it showed all the carnage that he barely avoided, right? Yeah. And, like, dude, if, if he gets caught up in any of that, it's a blowout win for Forkner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that shows <laughs> how well Cooper, like, got through it. He got super lucky because there was, a, like, that one end of the tunnel was probably going to be the worst one. Yeah. 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 So uh, <laughs> that's so cool how they, they really embraced the whole red plate, red matchy-matchy. Oh, with mm-hmm. his boots and his gloves. The grips. Red grips. Yep. Red everything. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was good. And you can tell, too, that, like, he's in that thing where he just wants to be calm now. Like, he's not trying to get too riled up. He just let it happen uh, and fast. Like, he was quick all day. I'm really surprised that the race went the way it did um, just because it took him so long to get going. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it did take him a bit. And he kind of lucked into some things later on. I'm sure Ferrandis being like a lapped rider didn't help things. I think that that kind of shuffled that top five guys a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, they're going to have to deal with that because uh, it, 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 it's always a factor. Yeah. I wonder what uh, – I'm going to have to go to LeBigUSA.com and hit Google Translate. I want to see what was said. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mm, I bet he probably didn't do any interviews. He was pissed. Oh, he really? was really pissed. And like, if you watch that that clip over, Dylan had nowhere to go. Yeah, you know, so it wasn't that bad. And it took him and Mosman a little bit of time to get up and get going to the mm, point yeah. where you're like, ah, I hope everything's okay. Yeah, yeah, I thought he was hurt. He was down for a while. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, chain reaction from Amart, right? Kind of yeah. jumped in yeah. Mosman. Amart kind of got somebody kind of faded into. Amart, so then Alex kind of started fading to the left, and then he went into Mosman, and Dylan didn't have anywhere to go. So that shows, like, another good thing for Mosman, too. Like, that kid has taken some slams in his career, uh-huh. and he always bounces up. Mm-hmm. So, like, he took the full brunt of Dylan to the back of him and yeah. jumped up and got back going again. Yeah. You know, um, you know another crash that was like that was uh, was Jet Lawrence and Taiki Koga. Oh, yeah. Dude, Dude I feel so bad rough. for Koga. Yeah. He got, used, he got used as a, a Japanese trampoline. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Second week in a row, too. Like, he's in contention to make his career first made event, and then he just, like, gets the rug pulled out from underneath him. Yeah. It looked like he was uh, hurt. Did he Did he finish that race? No. I didn't do the LCQ. He didn't line up. So he didn't come back. But I don't think he's, like, terribly hurt. I just I just don't think he showed up. Yeah. The one thing about Koga, and he's getting <clears> a lot of love and kickstart this week as a, uh, like, sympathy card for getting it ripped away from him he has the sickest style 
like gear kit wise. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like his Alpine Star stuff always has like nice little touches. His helmets He's are Japanese. Badass. His so his helmets are badass. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he has a nice little setup right there. So his stuff looks cool. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, one thing I wanted to point out on the Ferrandez deal. I know that, like, I think that Martin and a couple other guys weren't pumped that he jumped in with them and was running that pace, but it was a good play by him because he used those guys as kind of like a uh, a breaker to make up all those positions that he lost. You know, he ran the pace of the front runners, who they lapped, he passed back. So he passed mm-hmm. himself back into position because probably the guys that he was passing for spots outside, like deep in the top 10 or outside the top 10 probably thought that he was lapping them and he's yeah, really true. just passing them and they didn't realize yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, they laid down for him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Hart, Hart Raft, third place. Super stoked for that guy to get his first podium. Mm-hmm. And uh, just barely edged, edged out Amart, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you could tell that Amart was, like, bummed because <laughs> I think that he was probably bummed, too, because of the Ferrandis thing. Had those guys not really had to deal with Dylan, it could have been a more straight-up race. But they were like inches apart when they went over the finish line, and and that's a bummer for Alex because Suzuki needs some love right now. You know, Joey's out now. Freddie's going to be out with a busted lower leg. Like Alex and Jimmy are going to be carrying the flag for Suzuki Motocross around the world, and Alex needs to get on the podium. He's mm. totally capable of it. Yeah, he was telling me that the bike runs a lot better this year. Hmm. Yeah, they've made and, and he's been saying that pretty much all since last year too like they're still making steps on that thing and getting it to where he wants to be yeah what if they have new uh hose clamps holding on the radiator line no <laughs> dude that was such a bummer <laughs> yeah okay um, so jet got fifth and he ran what second for a lot of the race dude he was within he was within a second of forkner for like two mm-hmm. laps too um man kind of like kind of like coming into his own i guess yeah mm-hmm. yeah I and I was super surprised. Like I'm not gonna lie, I he's a kid. I think that we in the past as like a whole sport have put so much pressure on these incoming rookies as they're gonna be the guy. And I think that Jet even thought that too after Loretta's last year, where he was just so dominant down there, but didn't right. get those titles. And so like he talked a big game going into those last three nationals, and he found out how hard it is. Like it is not easy. Mm-hmm. It's way deeper than he thought it was. So then he kind of got a little bit of a humbling experience at those races. And then when he went to Australia, he didn't talk like a big game, like, oh, I'm going to come in and kill these guys and all that stuff. And in Australia, you know, he was like top five guy, you know, not not blowing away people and making little rookie mistakes and things like that. So I think he has had those expectations for this year. It's probably a good thing for him that he didn't do all that well, because if he gets himself set up way too high, then everybody's going to be like, well, why didn't you do that again? Right. You know, and the... uh it was just it was a rookie mistake that he just jumped off and wrapped his uh brake pedal around that tough block. Yeah. So uh Christian, handlebar to the stomach, but he says he's okay. Mm-hmm. That uh that heat race win was pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He was flying. Yeah. He's one of the guys I just like he's so entertaining to watch ride. So it was it was cool to see him get that heat race win, but um yeah, when I saw him on the ground I was pretty gutted. I felt bad for him. It's glad mm-hmm. to see he's not a serious break or anything like that, though. Yeah. I think that there was, like, some initial fear because of, like, he hit hard, and he hit in, like, a tricky spot and then went right off the track and had the medics with him. Uh-huh. And, you know, anybody that knows Christian, you're like, 
oh no, another injury, like yeah. another hurdle he's going to climb back from, especially after, you know, being on a good point from last week's podium, mm-hmm. you know, from third, to, from fourth to third and all that. Um, so if this is just like a little bump in the road, I would expect him to be okay come Anaheim too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Ferrandis then is down uh, 15 points on Cooper. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a lot to worry about? Uh, only two rounds into what a nine is it nine or ten rounds? I think but, it's uh, ten this year. Yeah, but I mean it always kind of changes. Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so because look at the two guys he's against. Like he's against Forkner and he's against Cooper, two young guys that are prone to making pretty big mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think for Ferrandis too, like as much as it sucks, he needs that reality check. Like, he needs that thing of, like, hey, this is not going to be a walk in the park. Just because you won it last year doesn't mean you're going to steamroll these guys and just destroy them this year. Mm-hmm. Like, he needs to be into that thing where it's like, okay, hey, this is a deep thing, and, and racing incidents out of your control will still happen. Mm-hmm. Doesn't the 1W plate look funny white? Yeah, it looks really weird. And I thought the same thing for Webb, too, because, you know, his KCM was only, like, a white background with a black big number one and it looks different but it looks kind of <laughs> sick too i like the i like that they're running the one w that's badass yeah. yeah the w so uh well hey man uh you're coming back to california on friday right just in time for press day yeah be there friday we'll go through the whole bit um make the rounds be there saturday and then stay in california all next week so try to go hit the test track scene while everybody's still out west yeah definitely well cool so. um I think that about wraps it up. Is there anything else that maybe happened that we don't see in the results column? Mm, Bogle. Uh, Bogle was riding good, you know, and like we're homies with Bogle. That's, you know, that's a guy that we're always close with. And mm-hmm. his heat race was great. You know, it sucks that he made that one mistake, but that's a risk that they were going to take because there was that little rut on the inside of that first turn that they were hopping out of to get over yeah, that, that first obstacle. Sick. Yeah. And it was badass, but like that was the risk that he had there. And then in Hauser Weekend, he said, like, hey, you know, we all thought it was fine. He did his parade lap, like the siding lap before the main came in. The front end of the bike was pretty jacked up a little bit still, even though they changed quite a few parts. And uh, he's setting on the starting line, and the front, bake, the front brake was gone. Like, he just had no front brake. And so Rankin tried, his mechanic, Derek, tried to, you know, get everything set up as quick as they could, but with limited time. You know, they could switch the front brake assembly and all that stuff out. So Justin just had to go out there and, and deal with it. And like anybody that's ridden without a front brake, like, dude, imagine doing that at a supercross. That would be yeah, pretty hard. Right. Was, so it he gone, showed, was it gone altogether or was it like you had to pump it to get it back? They were pumping it and I still don't think it did anything. Mm. You know, I like if you watch the race over again, I'm standing like right next to them, uh, right before the gate drops and I like I see everything go on and, and there's really nothing that they could have done. Um and then another thing he said too, like he, he admitted I rode like shit at Anaheim one. Like I just got out there and just like seized up because, you know, for whatever reason didn't ride well. And then he had a good crash either Tuesday or Wednesday. And anybody knows, like, you know, when you haven't had like a crash in a while, you get a little hesitant of like, when is the big one gonna happen? Right. How am I gonna react to it? He said he had a good one and it he didn't get hurt, but it kind of rattled you a bit where you're like, oh, hey, I can hit the ground and then pop up and still be okay. And now <laughs> I can push the envelope a little bit further instead of being like, where is the fine line? Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, he had that, he had his crash. And, that, and I heard a couple other guys this weekend say like, yeah, I had a get off here. Or I had this or I had this happen. And now I see like where the real scope is because that first Anaheim one, 
it was almost so uneventful that everybody's like still waiting for what what do I do? You know. Hey, real quick, Wait. um do you know what happened to Brayton's bike in the heat? He came around that uh first long rhythm line and like he was revving and it just seemed like there was no power there. Uh oh. so they like rushed the bike off and did a full engine swap. So they had a thirty minute window, got the whole engine changed in twenty one minutes and got him back out there. Jeez. Um they wouldn't say what it was. I mean, uh-huh. obviously, like, no surprise there. Yeah. But, like, full precautionary uh, engine change is what they told me and came back out and it was fine. And JB said that it was okay that he was in the LCQ because now he got the chance to, like, kind of warm up. You know, he saw how the track was going to be. He started from the full outside, kind of got back on the routine, and, and he rode okay. Um, he's got to get through those last like 10 minutes and he'll he he knows that too because even at anaheim one you know he got past and then got kind of rattled and didn't right. stay in the hunt the other the way other guys did so now he has to do that again now too he has to be like okay maybe i got past once but now i have to fight back and get back into that spot instead of just kind of like seizing up a little bit right all right cool buddy well uh we will see you in a few days um until then, thanks for listening, guys, and uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll check in again after Anaheim, too. Thanks for listening. In 2013, 6D Helmets forever changed the way we think about motorcycle safety helmets. With its patented omnidirectional suspension system to help absorb rotational impacts, the original ATR1 helmet swept through the industry and was received with open arms by riders and racers alike. The new 60 ATR2 and ATR2 Youth are even better than the original and carry a limited three-year warranty and a unique technology that allows the helmet to be rebuilt after most crashes. Visit 60helmets.com for more info.